So I, I think the first thing I want you to do is to turn and greet one another with a holy kiss. Just kind of figure out what that might mean in your, in your world. Oh, Mary, way to go. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to talk this morning about um, a spiritual checkup is a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, doesn't sound like a great thing at first, but I think it is. I think it's a good thing that we need to have time where we figure out, like, how am I doing, Lord? How am I doing in my walk with you? And one of the questions becomes, am I, am I actually a, a believer? I think those are great questions that uh, we, we should be able to ask in the church and of ourselves. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, I, I want to pray about a few things. I want to just uh, let you know that... Um, uh, Renee uh, Peoples is back in Slovenia. She arrived back safely, so it sounds like she had a very um, interesting day of travel with a whole lot of disruptions and delays, but she's there and back at the work of God there in Slovenia. Uh, I do know that there's an upcoming trip uh, planned for Nicaragua in October, and it's kind of a, a leadership development and uh, reconnect with the, the church there that we've been uh, God has allowed us to be part of seeing that church uh, planted and now they actually have a, a building that we, we help them with and we've been kind of involved with this church there and we're excited to see what God continues to do. Um, I've mentioned before and a couple of years ago, two years ago, we had a, a dear friend of mine from India that I went to seminary with years ago and um, he is part of a a training evangelist in a little corner of India and it's uh, called Nagaland up in the kind of uh, I, I, almost the northeast part uh, gets close to Myanmar or Burma kind of in that area and I was praying for them and I want to remember to pray for them and then also I just want to highlight this morning for just a moment to be in prayer for local missions and one of those that I want to mention today is the Smoky Mountain Pregnancy Care Center as we continue in our world to believe in the sanctity of human life and the, the, um, the right to life and the, um, just being with those people who come into uh, traumatic pregnancies uh, and unexpected pregnancies and how the um, Pregnancy Care Center is there to minister to people who are in those crisis situations. So we want to remember them. They play a huge role in something that's ex extremely important in the day that we live. So let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you are a God who we read in Genesis 12 um, that you told Abraham to go to the nations and, and that's what we're part of, God, and that you're actually doing that. Wow, if Abraham could see uh, how that prayer has been so answered uh, and could he even imagine what all you had in store that people in the other parts of the world would be followers of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, the son of Abraham, son of David. So, Father, we just thank you that we're part of this great work that you promised so long ago. We pray you will continue to work, God, throughout the world, and we pray for Renee in Slovenia. Uphold her, strengthen her, God. Use her in that mission there in the capital city of Slovenia. And we pray, oh God, for our trip, our team that will be going to the Dominican, uh, excuse me, to Nicaragua uh, coming up soon, and we, we pray that they would experience great blessing from you and that you would uh, cultivate um, healthy spiritual growth in the life of that church there. And we pray for them and pray for their pastor and the little church that meets there. And we're so thankful for their new church building and, and how you're working there. And we ask you that we would be able to come back and report, that, um, that the team that goes would come back and report if 
that you are continuing that great work, O oh God. Lord, I, I thank you of um, my dear friend Apam Vashum in India and Nagaland. And I just pray, O oh God, I know that there's a civil war right now in that little uh, area of India. And we pray that you would protect the believers as they're coming under attack. And they've had church buildings burned and um, there's a, a great attack. I pray that you would resolve that tension there and protect the believers and help them to continue to evangelize in that part of India. And Father, thank you for the Pregnancy Care Center. Thank you that, for the people that have committed so much time and energy and finances and resources to minister to women and um, young couples and um, people that come into a crisis pregnancy and the culture has told them that they can discard a baby and a human life. Thank you that the Pregnancy Care Center is there to stand for the sanctity of human life. And I pray that you would continue to help those who are involved in that ministry, God. It is a frontline ministry in our day. We also pray, Father, that we as the Church of Jesus Christ would stand with them and that we would also stand not only with the uh, pre-born infants as they uh, make their way of entry into the world, but that we would also, God, be very involved with those who are born and just the life and care of children that come into this world at very difficult situations. We thank you, God, for foster care and um, adoption and things like that that take place. And we are able to participate in that. Help us and guide us, God, to know where we can apply the good news of Jesus Christ in crisis situations throughout our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I, I want to um, mention a couple things that I don't know about you, but I, I never really look forward to. I've never been excited about two things um, in my life, and one was going to the doctor. It never was like super exciting, still not really. And the other is taking tests. I don't know if you feel like there's certain things in life that are part of living a healthy life and figure out where you are. It's like, I don't know that I always look forward to it. I didn't always like taking tests in school. Um, I guess I did okay at testing. It wasn't my favorite thing to do. I wasn't just the natural. I had to work really hard at it and I got real nervous. Didn't always know how I did and kind of waiting, holding your breath till that test comes back. Sometimes we feel that way when we go to the doctor for an annual checkup or something doesn't feel right and we go and we're kind of anxious until we, until we get the report. And that's kind of the way um, I felt about those things, but they're important. We need to know how we're doing physically. If you're going through a um, school or some kind of degree you're working on or some kind of license, licensing you're trying to attain and you, you want to know how the test is going, it's important to um, pass and get that. So, um, But there, there's also the same thing is true in our spiritual life. It's very important that we have a, a checkup that we go to the Lord and, and lay our hearts out before God. And say, Lord God, how am I doing? Um, where, where am I at spiritually? It's a very healthy thing. May I suggest that there's a natural time that that's to happen always in the life and the course of a church. And the most natural place for that to happen is what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. That would, that's a time. And one of the very things we do when we come to communion is like, Lord, how am I doing? Um, the Bible says to um, check yourself when you come to fellowship with God is like, how are you doing? So there's three things I want to point out from this passage we looked at. And the first thing is, um, the first one might not feel at first like it fits to this, but I, 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 wanna, I don't want to just skip past it, so I want to kind of tie it into this message this morning. You'll see it in the text, um, so I, I want to mention it. Um, 
If all else fails, take it to court. <laughs> Not secular court, but Christ's court. And in the life of the church, it's like there's problems in the life of the church. The whole title of our series, which ends today, we spent quite a while going through First and Second Corinthians. Is I, I entitled it Messy Church because that's what it is when you read the book of Corinthians. It's like it's really messy. And sometimes the messes are so bad and there doesn't seem to be a resolution coming. And sometimes like Paul comes to the end of this letter and he's planning out his next trip and he says, hmm, we may have to... Um, we may have to deal with this in the last way I was hoping we would have to, but we may have to have a, a, a church court here. So, so I want to say thank God that the church in Corinth had some serious problems. Because we have some problems. And because they had some problems, we know better how to deal with it. God dealt with some really difficult things in their church to help us. And in the providence and goodness of God, he wrote a letter from this messy church to help every succeeding church to know how to deal with problems in the life of their church. So I see that it was a good thing and God used that and God turned out uh, some, some wonderful information and insight. It helps me to believe that we're a real church too when I read Corinthians. It's like, oh, them too. I read through it and I go, whew, I don't, okay, I feel a little better about some of our problems when I read through Corinthians, and then sometimes I go, oh, I don't feel so good, but they had the same problems. So I just see the, the scriptures are just so real. Uh, I want to also say that conversion, just so you know, conversion's not the finish line, it's the starting line. I some, think some people think conversion's the finish line. It's like, well, you're converted, you need to get your act together. It's like, well, you're converted, you're a Christian, you ought not be doing that. But conversion's the starting line. It's where we start. And we make a lot of mistakes and we keep making some of the same mistakes. But remember, with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, when they profess faith in Christ, that's the starting line. And truth be known, we're not real good at it when we first start. And truth be known, we're not as good at it as we think we are when we've been at it a while. And then stuff pops up and then you and other people around you go, oh my word, Christians do this kind of stuff too? And the sad reality is yes, and we need to know that. We need to be realistic that becoming born again, it's just the starting line. Consider Paul's greeting to his true letters to a messy church at Corinth. When you, when you read through Paul's letter, your first assessment is probably like, well, he, they weren't Christians. You read through the stuff going on, some horrible stuff, some scandalous stuff was happening in the church at Corinth. And, and your first assessment, if you read it out of context, you might go, oh, oh well, those, those people aren't Christians. But listen to how he starts both letters. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, to the church of God. To the church. He's addressing church people. And all this messy stuff, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those in every place who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And he starts his second letter to the church of God that is in Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Like church work is messy. And we need to be aware of that and not pretend otherwise. And then in Philippians 1.6 he tells to the Philippian, the believers in, in Philippi, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So it's in progress. 
He who began a good work. If God saved you, there's a lot of work yet to be done. And sometimes that work's a little painful. But just keep in mind that we can be a little bit more patient with one another and realize that some of this stuff comes up and it's there because God's not finished yet. And He's doing some wonderful things, but sometimes it's painful. And sometimes people, some people have led you to believe that so-and-so's not a Christian because they're doing this or that. And we're quick to make that assessment. But if you read your Bible carefully, that Christians also do some terrible things. Non-Christians, we expect it. But doesn't the Bible reveal that Christians do some of the same stupid stuff? And so it impacts the understanding of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Is we're going to have to learn how to deal with sinners in our church. Okay, so... Having sin in your life, even serious sin at times, doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. Neither does attending a church, getting baptized, joining a life group, saying prayers, being a deacon, studying the Bible mean that you are a Christian. Sin doesn't mean you're not a Christian. And doing some religious things doesn't mean that you are a Christian. It's real important that we get that. Christians have lots of remaining sin to work on and non-Christians are capable of doing many of the same things they see Christians doing. A lot of people mimic Christianity and they come to church and everybody goes, that's a Christian because they see certain things you do. That's a Christian, it's a deacon. Has to be a Christian, it's a deacon. You heard that guy pray? He prayed. Well, half of our prayers we learn from listening to someone else pray. You can, kids go to school and they can learn the information on they can pass the test. doesn't mean they believe in it. They can mimic what they hear. They can spout back. they got brains. They can memorize a prayer or learn how to... They can learn the names of God. They can learn to pray at the end in Jesus' name. They can go through a class and get baptized in the river. But God says it's a pretty good idea that we still ought to check and find out if we're the real deal. So Paul was planning a visit, a third visit, he says, to Corinth, and there were some deep issues that would need attention, and he even describes a courtroom setting with charges being brought, witnesses taking the stand, and Jesus, our risen Savior, showing up to judge and bring about a righteous ruling. So in the first section, I don't want to go into this because we've talked about all these problems before and there were problems in the church, but it's kind of like Paul comes to the end. He says, you know, when I come, I, I'm afraid to say, but I think we're going to have to deal with some of the, some of the mess because... You're not dealing with it. And so he deals with, he's, he plans and knows that he's going to have to deal with it. But then he says, truth be known, Christ is going to have to deal with it. We're going to have to have Christ deal with some of the problems we're having in our church. And that's what he was saying. And why? Because Jesus loves his church and all the sinners who go there. He loves the Christian sinners who have been pardoned by their sins through the shed blood of Christ. And he loves all non-Christian sinners who have come to hear about his amazing grace. Therefore, he wants to lovingly deal with anything that hinders the growth of Christians and anything that hinders the spread of the gospel. So Jesus is committed to his church more than we are. And Jesus runs his church. We don't. And Jesus cares about the health of his church. And he'll do whatever's necessary. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he'll do that? Because if it were up to us, we'd either be too harsh or too lenient. 
If it were up to us, we'd say that person's not a Christian who is, and we would say that person isn't a Christian. Wait, that person is a Christian who isn't. Something like that, whatever the reverse of what I just said was. Okay? But we would, we would make all kinds of mistakes if it were up to us, and we make those mistakes. So, Jesus had a, a court, and he was willing to go to court if there were issues that really needed to be dealt with. And we should thank him for that and love him for that because he wants a healthy church. Do you want a healthy church? Hope you do. Would you, would you trust Jesus to deal with the problems in the church? you trust him? Do you think he could do it? Do you think Jesus can deal with the problems at Webster Baptist Church? Do we have problems at Webster Baptist Church? Who said yes? <laughs> of course we have problems at Webster Baptist Church. You know, sometimes we have so many problems that people don't want to come here. That happens in every church. People get their feelings hurt. They get upset. They leave. They're mad. And we have people come here because they're mad from where they left. It's church life. Okay? But aren't you glad Jesus can handle it? Does that make you feel better? And when you come here, we're going to ask Jesus to help us because we're probably not going to handle it very well. And we've all had experiences where we didn't handle something well or someone didn't handle us well. And we got hurt. And Jesus is the one that can handle the problems in the right way if we will look to Him. So that's the first thing. If we have to hold court, let's just hope and pray Jesus is the one leading, okay? Okay, and if you come under scrutiny, let's just hope Jesus is the one leading and not the elders or not the deacons or someone else. They may be the instruments that God will use, but let us please play, please pray that when we have problems to deal with, Jesus will take the lead, okay? Not you and not me. That we will get out of his way so that he can make a healthy church. A healthy church is the goal. Okay? Point number two. The kind of results that God is aiming for. Like, what, what's his aim? What is he aiming for? What are some of the things he talks about in this passage that kind of reveals? So, Jesus, if you're going to take us to court, what do you, what do you, what's your aim? Like, Jesus, if I'm going to go through this exam that you're going to give, what's the aim? Like, what's the goal of the exam? What's the purpose? And he lists some things in here. So the purpose, I have several things I want to list. Number one, an accurate assessment of one standing with God. So the first purpose is an accurate assessment of your standing with God. So why would Jesus want you to go through a spiritual exam? Listen to what he says. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. This is, he's writing this to the church. Some people get very offended if you might even suggest such a thing. How dare you? The Pharisees were outraged when Jesus challenged their, uh, the integrity of their profession. They thought for sure we are so, how dare this man? As a matter of fact, that's the ultimate reason they killed him. Because he revealed to them that with all their religiosity, they weren't even saved. And that made them so mad they thought, that we, this guy cannot live. He's exposing us. They didn't think he was exposing them. They really did believe they were far more righteous than everybody else. And because he was trying to give them an accurate assessment of self, they got mad and killed him. And there are people today that if you challenge where they are spiritually, they will get so mad at you. How dare you suggest this? How dare you? There are people that will... They're, um, well, all kinds of situations where that happens. So one of the results that God is aiming for is that He wants us to have an accurate assessment of ourselves. 
Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. It's like, that's fair. Do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Like, is he or isn't he? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you will find out that we've not failed to meet the test. It's like they were accusing Paul, wasn't even a true apostle. And he's like, I hope we don't fail the test. And it's like, I hope you don't fail the test. It's about everybody gets tested. And I want to go to a church that talks about that. Do you want to bring someone to a church that would never question anyone and people are doing all kinds of things and no one would ever suggest that maybe you're not a Christian? You really want to do that? You want to just go, oh, everybody's so sweet. The fact that you showed up tells me you must love Jesus. I don't really care what you do in your life, whatever. It's like, no. You want to come in there and go, like, are you the real deal or not? Do you love God or do you not? I know you say you do, but okay, let's, let's test that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a wonderful thing. I hope that's, that you want an accurate assessment of your standing before God. Okay. Number one, an accurate assessment. Number two, for all involved to do the right thing. What was his goal? An accurate assessment of one standing before God. What's the second goal? Is to, for you to do the right thing. The goal is that people would do the right thing. Doesn't that sound so easy? Just do the right thing. That sounds so easy. It's the hardest thing in the world. But that's what Paul was asking. Is Christians sometimes and people in the church don't do the right thing. It's called sin. But the goal is for all involved to do the right thing. Verse 7, we pray that you may do not, that you may not do wrong. Like don't do wrong, do right. That we may, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right. So I don't know if some of you are in a situation and some of you are probably not doing the right thing. And God is saying, check your own heart to see if you're doing the right thing in this situation. Maybe some of you are involved in something. The truth of the matter is you're being very stubborn and you're not doing the right thing. You're doing what you want and maybe you're not doing what God wants. And God says one of the reasons we come and we evaluate and we set ourselves before God is like, God, am I doing the right thing in this issue? Of course you think you are, but... God wants, to, God wants you to examine that before Him. Let, 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 let Him check. Okay, good that you think you are. And then God wants to say, well, let's, let's talk about it. Well, what's the other person say? Do, do they feel like you're doing the right thing? And, and that's a goal. Number three, to discover and uphold the truth. Like, what's the truth in this matter? If I'm not doing the right thing, then what is the right thing? And what is the truth? In verse 8, he says, We cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. So the truth is important. Uphold the truth. We need to know the truth. I, need to, I want to know the truth about my standing with God. I want to know if I'm doing something that's not right, or I'm, I'm not actually following the truth of God, or maybe I've deceived myself, or this other person is deceived. I'm like, Lord, we want you to uphold the truth and expose lies and errors and uphold the truth. We cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. This refers to God's truth as a whole and truth about problems or conflict and accusations in the church. Like we want to know the truth. This brother said this. This brother said this. This sister said that. This person says this. Well, what's the truth? God, will you help us get to the truth? Because this is a problem. And there's people going at it. And will you help us to see what's right here? Number four, restoration. Restoration with God first between brothers and sisters in Christ, but of course restoration with God and between brothers and sisters in Christ. 
So a fourth goal of God is restoration. Paul writes in verse 9, your restoration is what we pray for. For God, for people to be restored with God and people to be restored with one another. That's how healthy Christian. It's like, man, I'm restored. I was, I was drifting. I was wavering in my faith with God. And, you know, I, I came on uh, communion Sunday. I just came to church one Sunday and something was said that began to bother me and think, man, I'm, I'm, are things right between me and God? And you found out maybe they're not. And so you, want, you begin to pursue restoration. It's like, God, I need restoration. Or two people are at odds and they, they don't like coming to church and seeing each other because they've got some issues and it's like Lord God how sweet it is to find restoration and then Paul said for this reason I write these things to you while I'm away from you number five the upholding and proper respect of biblical authority it's like some people just have a, a problem with authority and they have a problem with it in society they have a problem with it um, in life they have a problem with it at home they have a problem with it um, at their job they have a problem with it in school, if they're on a team, they just, they just have a hard time letting anyone tell them what to do. They're so independently minded and very stubborn. And then when they, they come to church, they feel the same way. It's like, nobody tell me what to do. So Paul hoped that he would not have to. He says in verse 10, be severe in the use of the authority that the Lord has given to me. So there is, there's actually something called biblical authority. And there's people in the church that have a role given to them by God, not because they're special, but because God wants to care for the life of the church. And He, he has elders and deacons, for one. And there's, there's, there's authority in the little classrooms back there. There's a, there's a teacher. And some people just, from day one, they have problem with authority. And so everywhere they go, and they don't get what they want, they're out of there. And so that's one of the things, is Paul says, I don't really want to have to do that, but... I hope that when I come, you'll respect the role that God's given to me. It's, Paul wasn't saying, I am the man. He was saying, I have a calling. And I, don't, I'd really, I really don't like it all the time, but I will, I will carry out my responsibility. And so, number six is for edification and growth is one of God's goals. In verse 10, it says, for building up and not tearing down. So edification is like, Lord God, I, wanna, I want to people to be edified and grow. Number seven a happy and healthy family atmosphere. One of the goals is a happy and healthy family atmosphere. It says finally, verse 11, brothers, rejoice. It's like, I, I want this to be a place where people rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace in the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss and all the saints greet you. It sounds like a pretty happy and healthy place. Sounds like they were enjoyed being together. They were excited to be together and they rejoiced. They said, like, man, good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Oh, it's so good. I'm so happy to be here this morning. Man, how you doing? And a real care and concern in the, in the body of Christ. And then one of the aims is uh, the benediction of God. At the very end of this chapter, there's what I would call a threefold or a Trinitarian benediction. The utterance of bestowing of a blessing is a benediction. And he finishes the whole book with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, second member of the Trinity, the love of God, which is a reference to the Father, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with, all, be with you all. And that's, that's, a, that's the, the means to a happy church, is they have a Trinitarian benediction of God. 
the blessing of God, from the, the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of the Father and their fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. What a great place to be. So these are all great things that God desires for you and our church and all of these things are constantly under threat and it will take hard work to cultivate and keep a healthy church. God wants you to be healthy and happy and by that happiness I mean blessed by God. Not happy because you're getting your way but happy as in knowing that God loves you and will never forsake you in this troublesome world. That is the reason we have spiritual checkups. So let's talk for a minute about your spiritual checkup. Back to verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you indeed to fail to meet the test? I hope that you will find out that we have not failed the test. So the first thing is, are you saved? It's, I call that the life test. The first test is the life test. Are you saved? Like that's the question he's asking. Whether you are in the faith. Is Christ in you? So the first question that people who, religious people and people who come to church need to be asked, and it's a fair question, are you, are you saved or are you just religious? It's a great question. Are you a Christian? Are you born again? Have you had a genuine salvation experience? It's the most important examination question you could ever be asked and ever take. Acts chapter 16, 30, Paul said to the uh, Philippian jailer, or the Philippian jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? And so that's a question. I hope you've asked that question. I hope you can answer that question. But it's the right question. And here's a couple of verses I want you to think about as you ask this question. In Acts chapter 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Have you done that? Have you believed in Jesus? John 3, 3 says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Have you literally been born of the Spirit of God? Have you been born a second time? Of course you've been born the first time. You're here, aren't you? But have you been born twice? Have you been born in the womb? And then have you been born in the heart? Have you ever had a spiritual conversion? Have you ever come to life? Have you ever made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ? And have you ever confessed Christ? Have you been born a second time? It's like, yeah, I go to church and stuff. That's not the question. The question isn't, do you go to church? The question isn't, do you tithe? The question isn't, do you read your Bible? The question is, have you been born a second time? And then someone says, well, how, how's that work? It's that the life of God begins to come into you. And the life of God comes into you by request. And John 1.12 it says, to all who did receive him, you have to receive him. Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Are you a child of God? Have you, are, is God your father? Have you been born of the father who is in heaven? And he says, if you believe in him, he'll give you the right to become a children of God. Have you actually done that? Have you believed in Christ and received him? Willfully, intentionally received him into your life. In Romans 5, 1, it says, since we have been justified by faith, Oh, faith is how we're justified or made right with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, wow, this is, this is how it happens. How, am I justified? Do I, am I right with God? Has God declared me to be right with Him? Well, how does that happen? By faith, for, for sure. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 3 tells us a little bit about what Christ did. Why we would put, be able to put our faith in Him. Why putting faith in Christ could save you. And 1 Corinthians 15, 3 said, Well, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And He, he was buried 
paid for sin and rose. That's why if I put my faith in Him, it's because of what He did for me. Do you believe in what Christ did for you? It's like, man, I, I, I thought He was a good guy and stuff. I thought it was pretty impressive that He laid His life down for people. But He rose again from the dead to declare that God was pleased with His sacrifice and on the basis of Christ, what Christ did for me, I'm saved. Not on the basis of what I've done, on the basis, purely on the basis of what Christ has done for me. Wow. Have you, have you done that? That's how you become a Christian. It's resting in what Christ did for you on the cross. And then 1 John 1, 9 tells a part of it. It's like if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if I put my faith in Christ who died and was rose again, all my, my sins will be forgiven. On the basis of, I need to confess of them. I need to tell them, like, Lord God, here's a list of all I can think of that I've done wrong and my, my list will grow. I'll keep doing some wrong things, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the list of all my sins that I know I've committed, some I don't remember, and the ones I'm going to commit in the future. I'm going to take my sinfulness in my life and my heart, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess to you that I am that sinful. I have no right, no basis on my own to expect that I could ever be saved based on anything I've done because the only thing I bring to the equation is my sin. I'm, I confess that, God. I realize that I have nothing that could impress you or earn salvation. So I, I lay that before you and say, Lord God, but now over here I see the righteousness of Jesus is so perfect and powerful that He rose from the dead and He can come and cover all my sins. And on the basis of that, if I, He, is, he will forgive me. Do you, you believe that? And then Acts 14, 4, 4 verse 12 says, Repent therefore. You believe that? Well, then let's do it. Repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced a time of refreshing? Have you experienced the cleansing power of God? It's refreshed. It's like, Lord God, I can't believe I'm a sinner saved by grace. Amazing grace. How sweet it is. And it's like you're overwhelmed with the goodness of God. It's so sweet. There are countless verses in the Bible from beginning to end that emphatically declare you cannot save yourself that God has made provision for your sins and there is nothing you can add, there is no religious deed that you can perform, there is no price you can pay, there is not one drop of blood you can add. You are to trust in God's provision and that is in Jesus' righteous life, atoning death and victorious resurrection alone. So that's the life test. Do you, do you pass that test? Do you have life? Do you, are, you, are you a Christian? Are you born again? Because you're trusting in the perfect righteousness of Jesus. So that's the, that's the first exam. If you're here and you're like going, I don't think I ever understood that so clearly. I want to get that right. That's, that's, that's question one on the test. And if you, you're saying, I'm not sure, then be sure. I'm, I'm, I just told you the gospel. Well, I get that right today. And then if, you, if your answer to that is yes, then let's move on to the health test, the life test and the health test. So the second test, second question is, well, are, you, are you healthy lately? I know you're alive, and I believe that you're walking with Christ because I believe you passed the first test. I believe you are trusting in Christ alone for salvation, but let's, let's get you healthy again. The second purpose of a spiritual checkup is to evaluate your spiritual health. If you pass the conversion test, then you now want to keep in good health. It could be that upon a spiritual examination that you have discovered that there are some areas in your life where you have drifted spiritually and are not walking in wholeness with God. Every time we have communion, the Lord's Supper is a divinely ordained time for a spiritual checkup. 
We do that the last Sunday of every other month. But today, you know that you need revival and renewal, like today. I don't want to wait until then. All right, today. There are some issues in your life and your relationship with other believers in some sin that has a stronghold upon you or a problem, a temptation, a trial, some affliction that needs the grace and mercy of God in your life. And so I have a few actions for you to consider. I just, I just want to mention four things. I think it will be great. If, if you're healthy, I think here's four things that I think will... Actions that you need. If you feel unhealthy, then get back on track with these. If you are healthy with these, then stay on track with them. And the first thing is... is you need a, a daily meaningful time in God's Word. That's healthy. Just like the doctor says, hey, you need to eat every day. And better if it's not jelly beans. You need to eat good food. And God says the same thing. You want to be healthy, eat good food. And when I call it a meaningful time in the Word of God, it's like you really eat. It doesn't matter that the, the, the amount of food you take in spiritually, you just got to take in food every day. The more, the better. But make that your goal is not to have done Bible reading. Check. What you read? Have no idea. What was it about? Don't remember. I just read. I opened my Bible and read because the preacher said I was supposed to. No. God wants you to have a meaningful time with His Word. and Sometimes that means slow down. Whatever it means, just ask yourself, do I understand what it means to have a meaningful time? It doesn't mean you have to spend an hour, you don't have to spend ten minutes. Let God direct you and just say, Lord, I want to, I want to begin to have meaningful times with the Bible. The, the other thing is meaningful time with God Himself. And that would be prayer. Communion with God. So if you're healthy, you have communion with God. You have meaningful time with God. Meaningful time in His Word and meaningful time with Him. Pursue daily prayer that is worship-centered and not a shopping list of wants and needs. The problem is that most of our prayers are, are a shopping list. And I read something recently, I so liked it. And it's that prayer needs to be worship-centered, not you-centered. Focusing on God and then when you bring your request to Him, you're coming to a, a loving Father who... You worship Him and love Him and you see Him for His character, but you're not just going, Lord God, give me a good parking spot. Help me pass that test. Help me with my ailments. Do this, do this, do this. Here's my shopping list. Well, I don't know why God's not answering all my prayers. Because you're not worshiping Him. You're treating Him like a, a shopping list. Number three, participate in the family of God. Consider where and how you will give God glory in community with other believers and stop thinking of church as a place where you are looking for a pick-me-up from God and as a place where you're called to working out your faith as part of a spiritual family. You need to participate in the family of God. And then lastly, be evangelistic where God has placed you. Okay? It's like you have a, you have a call in your life. It's, it's like where are you supposed to go to be evangelism? It's like where you already go. You're already there. Just start praying for people. Start praying for the people around you and then ask God, Lord God, give me an opportunity. Some of you are more bold. Some of you it's more natural. But everybody, everybody can, everybody's called to be a witness and all you have to do is say, Lord God, will you just help me? I'm terrified. I've never even told people I'm a Christian. And so you just pray, but know that that's your field. 
You're in the field. You're out there in the field. And take the field and say, Lord God, will you teach me how to plow? I'm just not a very good farmer. Say, teach me to farm for you. Teach me to, I want to bear some fruit. Okay, so the conclusion is two things. Get healthy. Pick one or more of these things. And maybe all four, but just meaningful time in the Word, meaningful time in prayer with God, a meaningful participation in the body of Christ and the family of God, and then see yourself as um, a carrier of the good news. Okay, and last I want to I come back to this one thing and then we'll be done. Get right with God today. So, if our musicians want to go ahead and whoever's playing the closing song, I want to I read this and I want you to ponder this as, as, I, as I close. Is anyone here right now, is there anyone here right now that wants to make clear before God and witnesses that you have been uncertain, possibly mistaken, and although you have been religious, you have looked to something other than Christ alone for salvation, and you want to stand here and now to receive, to declare from this day forward that Christ alone is your eternal hope of salvation. So if you're here in our little exam today, just kind of revealed, I'm not sure that I fully understood the gospel before. I was counting on something other than Christ alone. I was thinking I'm a good person, I'm a churchgoer, um, I'm doing some of the right things. So I want to give you a chance today to say, I've, I'm, I haven't really been clear, but it's clear to me today. I want to declare before the world that I'm not counting on anything but the righteousness of Christ for my salvation. I'm putting my hope in what He did for me, not what I could do for Him. Okay, if that's you today, and you want to stand here and now to declare from this day forward that Christ alone is your eternal hope of salvation, then I want to give you the opportunity. I want everyone to stand right now. And I would like to give you the opportunity to come forward and I will pray with you and I will meet you right here. And we're just going to pray and we're going to give you the opportunity. You're not sure that if you've ever made it clear, that you've ever clearly understood the gospel and today you want to make it known that you are right now letting it be known. Maybe you've done it before but you didn't, didn't really have an opportunity. Maybe God's done that recently and you just want to say, this has happened recently in my life. Or is there anyone here who desires to stand here and now to declare that you right now are ready to or have recently decided to place your faith and trust in Jesus, the Son of God, and want to here and now declare your allegiance and devotion to God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, that you want to come into His family and walk in His care and be identified as a follower of Christ. And then also, is there anyone here today that is ready to be baptized? We have a baptism next Sunday to mark the beginning of your journey as a true follower of Christ. Perhaps you were baptized before, Upon, but upon your examination, you feel that your baptism was a religious ritual, but not based upon your true decision to be devoted to Christ. And that I want to say too, if you're here and you just know that there's an area of unhealthiness or area that you want to commit to God. It's like, Lord God, I'm ready today. I just want to commit to, I want meaningful time in your word. I want 
could be, I want meaningful time in prayer. Lord, teach me to teach my prayer to be more worshipful. Or it could be, Lord God, I'm ready to be the evangelist you've called me to be. I'm ready to share my faith in the setting that you've called me. And will you teach me how to do that? And you're like, okay. Or maybe you're like going, Lord God, I'll have to admit, church has been more about me than it has been about us. I just want to change that. So if you have some response to give to God from salvation or getting healthy or dedicating an area of your life to God, then I want you to come and pray. I want you to, while we're singing, I want you to leave. You can either kneel, you can stand, you can come with someone. You can come as a couple and say, we want to renew our walk with God and um, rediscover what it is to be spiritually healthier, or we want to grow healthier, then I'm going to ask in this call, in this final song, that I hope that some of you will respond to what God is saying to you in this service. And we're going to sing a final song. And let me pray before we do. Father, we thank you that you are interested in the health of our church and the health of every single person here. You are also very interested, God, in giving eternal life to anyone who is either uncertain about it or they are certain and they're ready for it. Oh God, work in our midst today. Let us respond to you in faith and trust. In Jesus' name, amen.